Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. It's mid-July, folks. Mid-July, training camps starting in a matter of weeks. NFL season starting soon after that. We're probably like, what? honestly, we're practically 60 days, less than 60 days from the start of NFL season. There are so many win totals to bet in the world. Last week, we went through with Raheem Palmer, the AFC. This week, along with Raheem Palmer again, we are going to go through the NFC. And before we do that, let me bring on my BFF, my companion, my compadre, a man who is so professional that when I texted him in the middle of the England-Italy Euro Cup final, and it was about 53 minutes into the match, I said to him, hey, can you jump on a 45-minute call starting right now? There's nothing really happening, is there? Uh, When he finally did check his phone, he said, I'm available now if you still need me, not recognizing that I was just fucking with him, Mr. Simon Hunter. <laughs> I I, th- I always tell you, Chad, there's a love-hate relationship being a professional better where uh, I think I finally checked my phone because I don't look at it when there's a sporting event going on. So I checked it after the match was over. And yeah, I was like, so I don't even know. I felt like I was just like not drunk, but like my head was in like a million places. I didn't even comprehend what you were saying. So I was like, is this guy really asking me to call, do a call in real quick? <laughs> But um, yeah, I I hate that I knew that was gonna happen. I said on last week's show, everyone knew England was gonna lose in PKs to Italy. That was just that's just how it goes as an England fan. Um, but I don't know. It's it's one of those where people in America they um they kind of heard about the British fan base and about the stuff they're saying and how awful they are. And I'm definitely a glass half full kind of guy where it's like. Dude, we beat Germany two nothing. Like we made the finals. Like I was pretty pretty happy with um the run, but it's it's just a shame that the way it's ended. Like we texted, I I never will see the rest of my life three guys miss penalty shots in a row. It's just not something. These these are the best professional athletes in the world. You mean you could go out there, Chad? I doubt mean you would miss three in a row. So it was just very very bizarre and. uh I, I probably won't get over it for another about 30, 50 years. It's that painful. It kind of is where it's like, it, you're just, you're, you're so close. Um, I saw that it was the highest rated television event in England since Princess Diana's funeral. So like the whole country was all in. So I just, it's just a heartbreak for the country. And like in America, we've kind of been out and about in England, they're still locked down. So those images you see on TV, those are people that are like, basically they had to get a whole process just to be out in public and be around other people at a, like a place to celebrate. So it was just heartbreaking knowing like, we're not that we're never going to get back, but like, it's not going to get better than that. You know what I mean? You play, you're playing at home for all, for everything and then you just lose it. Oh God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just going to stay with me for a long time. I would think watching, I watched it obviously on Sunday and when it got down to the pe- the penalty kicks and Italy missed one of the kicks and Pickford made that great stop. Uh, 
I thought to myself, this has catastrophe written all over it. Like there, it's going to, this is, everybody should stop time right now. Enjoy this moment if you're an English football fan, because it can only get worse from this moment. And if you're not familiar with the history of English football and you're not familiar with the heartache that surrounds it and the emotional investment that people in England or citizens of England who live abroad, the English diaspora, have about their football team, um, you could not let yourself believe that anything good was going to happen, even when they were up in PKs. There's no way. That's It was the one nothing. As soon as it was one nothing, two minutes in, I said, this is peak right now. We'll never be happier than we are right now. And uh, and yet it got, yet it peaked. It peaked even higher when you were up in penalty kicks. But not really, because anyone that watches PKs knows it's, it's irrelevant. Until they all shoot, it doesn't matter if you're up one, you're up two. Like weird stuff's going to happen because the pressure just shifts. So like basically in my mind, I'm just having these flashes pop in my head of David Beckham kicking the ball 50 yards over the net, which is something that happened in the 90s that to this day, this man has done everything. There's not a pub you can walk into in England that someone doesn't yell a joke at him about missing that that penalty kick. So that's why my heart breaks for these guys. Like Marcus, a couple of these guys are probably going to have to leave England. It's one of those where like, like Cristiano Ronaldo, the greatest player ever, he basically had a foul committed against him when he played England in the World Cup. And because of it, he left England and he went to Spain. So it's like, it's sad, but these hooligans are just mental over there. So like a, a lot of lives are going to be changed just from this these little plays that happened in this game. I was uh, uh, truly heartbroken for Saka, the kid who missed the yeah. last kick and, and the youngest player on the team. Um he had been amazing during the game and playing his heart out. And he was probably the most aggressive player for England through the second half of the match. And I loved watching him play and the way he was attacking the goal and trying to sort of push the ball forward for the rest of his team. Like I felt so, I, I was sick to my stomach that he was the guy taking the last shot and then more sick to my stomach when he missed and then devastated for him and seeing his reaction. And then, of course, you know, in the days since, you knew because it was three black players that missed the shot, you knew there was going to be just incredibly abhorrent behavior on the part of fans who were going to be saying really ugly things. And especially for Saka, like the compounding nature of all of it, I was just heartbroken for that kid. And it's also there's been you've been seeing the best that people come out like they pretty much have ruined a bunch of ru- like rules that artwork that people have done for these players around England, around London. And people have come and they've re covered it up with like love letters and things like that, which like, again, sounds corny. But I think it's one of those where it's just, you know, love beats hate. So it's one of those where that's that's kind of what's going on in England right now. It's like um, it's the same thing here in America. There's just a really big undertone of racism there. And especially Marcus, one of the lead players for England, he's really been a big advocate against racism and spoken out about it. And again, that's what breaks my arm. Like my favorite club's Man United. That's who he plays for. He's just getting buried right now. Like he's the one that hit the post. If people don't know which player he is, he hit the post. And he is just in a world of pain because he cares that much. So again, I mean, we'll, we'll move on to American football. But yeah, right now in England, it's, it's dark days, Chad. It is dark days. By the way, I didn't ask the most important question. Good. 
did you bet it? Yeah. And I, I didn't hedge. I know I always tell people to hedge. That was like a um, fun. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to retire off my winnings from that. So I basically had bet a grand to win like 32,000 because I didn't bet it originally. Because I honestly, I didn't think England was going to have a chance going into it because we never do. I had a chance to hedge on Italy, their, their prior matchup they played against Spain. And I didn't do it. I, I really did think England was actually going to win. Again, I'm a sucker. So, yeah, I, I lost probably a total of like $200 because I was betting on England every now and then to win. And they kept winning, obviously, to make it to the finals. So, yeah, not 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 a uh, not a winning weekend for your boy. I mean, it did win on the fight. That was a good fight. I don't know if you bet on that. Did you bet on Connor? I didn't bet on Connor. We can bring in Raheem. Raheem, did you bet on Connor? Did you bet on England? The NBA has just overwhelmed me. Like, so I just, I've really just, it's the one thing I just haven't paid attention to. And I'm, I'm one of those people where I can lock in and everybody can just be hype over one thing and I'll just have tunnel vision. So I didn't even see it. Um, I regret not betting on, against Connor because, you know, I'm a boxing guy. I'm not really, yeah. an, I'm not really an MMA guy, but I compare him to, you know, a guy named Adrian Broner in boxing who's basically just loud and boisterous. He's just a name now. And that's what Connor is. And he sells tickets and, you know, he's going to get a lot of action on him and that's going to create an inefficiency in the market. And had I been paying attention, I definitely would have faded. Well, listen, I'm not an MMA guy either. Didn't stop me from writing a book about Chuck Liddell. (laughs) You know, some of us, some of us go all in, even when we don't know anything. We call that dad knowledge. That's what we do. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's uh, the way to do it. <laughs> all right, last thing, before we get to, you mentioned the NBA Finals. Last time you were on, we were talking a little bit about NBA advancing the Suns and advancing the Suns in the Bucks. So the Suns are now up 2-1. They looked dominant in the first two games. But Giannis, who a week ago, 10 days ago, looked like he might have to have his leg amputated below his knee, is now having one of the greatest NBA Finals in history, is that enough? Have you seen enough from the Bucs to say, yeah, there's value on taking the Bucs at this point in the series? Or to you, you know, that we're recording this Tuesday, tomorrow night is game four. Is this a done deal? Um, I do think there's some value in the Bucs. I mean, when you look at game two, the Bucs kind of did everything right. I mean, I know they got, they got beat by 10 points, but, you know, they figured things out defensively. It's just they had problems with shot variants and, you know, Matt talks about it all, all the time. That's, that's my colleague, Matt Moore, one of the best NBA writers all the time. It's just the Bucks, for whatever reason, the last three seasons in the playoffs, they can't hit open shots. And, you know, they've been lucky enough to hit open shots at home during this series. And the way Giannis is playing, it's just, he, he, he looks like, he could, win, he could win this series if he just gets any help. Like, I mean, when you look at game two, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton didn't show up at all. Drew Holiday finally showed up in game three, and they blowed him out. And I just think so much of this series is going to depend on whether DeAndre Ayton can stay out of foul trouble because otherwise they have nobody to guard him. You know, Sarek getting hurt really hurt them because now they have to play Kaminsky. Kaminsky is a liability I think the Bucs are really live. And as long as they get anything from Middleton and Drew Holiday, they've shown that through they've shown throughout these playoffs is that they're resilient and they'll start to figure things out as it goes on. So they win game, they win, they win um tomorrow night, and I think it goes seven. Yeah, look, that you you made a really good point. 
if they can get the series to last long enough, they are really good at figuring out how to unpack what's been presented to them and Aiton and how they can defend against him and then what he can or cannot do against Giannis. Giannis made 91% of his shots within six feet in those first three games. The Suns were shooting maybe 50%. So what Giannis has been able to do and the way he's been able to dominate, it's truly been something special. Simon, do you have anything to add there? Everyone knew. I feel like every pro I talked to was betting the Bucks, even on the spread. It wasn't even like a money line bet. I mean, just look at the numbers. They rested. The Suns rested guys, too. I, it just felt like part of the plan where the, not that they're giving the Bucks false hope, but they're just saying next game, if our threes are going down, the Bucks have no chance. I feel like that's the way the series is. The Suns, if they hit shots, the Bucks, like you just said, they just don't hit those shots, so they can't keep up with it. But mm-hmm. I hope you're right. I love when it's a good series. Like, who doesn't mm-hmm. want it to go seven? If it goes 5-1, you know, they win in five. No one's going to be shocked if the Suns go four and one win this thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back. L- l- last week, uh, this uh, trio did the AFC win totals. Who we liked, who we didn't. And I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode so you can get smart, start planning. There's still plenty of good numbers available. Uh, odds still in your favor. They're not jumping around um, like you have to worry about. There's, there's, Good opportunities there. And I just want to say on that, I, people gave us a hard time. We forgot to mention Denver. I didn't know there was so much people cared so much about Denver, but I guess it's all the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I took the under. It's eight and a half. I feel like that number was bet up to nine, too, just because of Aaron Rodgers. So if you're really looking to bet Denver, I would not bet that over because it's just I, I just cannot see Aaron Rodgers in the next month switching teams. It's just too far in now. Like I just people are still asking about Denver. Don't do anything with Denver anymore, people. I, I kind of think it's dead at this point. The crazy thing is I actually took the over seven and a half wins way before the Aaron Rodgers news. Because to me, it's just like, you know, they were banged up last year. Von Miller was hurt. Cortland Sutton was hurt. Everybody was hurt on both sides of the ball, and they still had a defense that was 13th in DVOA and 10th in total success rate. And – you know, they got free agent signs with Shelby Harris and Ronald Darby. This team, they gave up 446 points last year. So I think the defense is going to be better. And then Drew Locke isn't going to be the quarterback anymore. Like, I think that's underrated. Like, Drew Locke, like, threw the, like he turned the ball over. He had 15 interceptions. How many fumbles did he have? I mean, the, the Broncos had a league-worst turn, turnover differential of minus 16. So we all know that tends to regress year to year. So I think, what do they got, Teddy Bridgewater right now? He's a massive upgrade over Locke. So I like them to go over. I don't know if I would go over at eight and a half, but, you know, at seven and a half, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded and they move that number back, I'm looking over there. For sure. But like you just said, there's there's so many moving parts there. It's one of those teams, it's a little scary to even lock your money up on, like, the team that has that. Because I think they're going to still try lock. I'm right with you, though. Like, mm-hmm. Teddy's so much better than him. But yeah. it just seems like one of those things, just because they drafted him and the equity they already put out, they're like, he gets first dibs no matter what. And I hate that. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, by the way, we didn't forget to talk about the Broncos last week. We chose not <laughs> to talk about the Broncos last week because we're not talking about every single total. We're talking about the ones that we find the most value in, either the over or the under. We're not here to say, eh, we're here to give you opinions. That's what we do. <laughs> opinions. 
That's what drives the media beast. No one's listening to Colin Coward because he's milk toast. Hey, are you sure? Yeah. Positive. <laughs> All right. Here's how I want to break it down. Like we did last week. There's a bunch of teams with win totals. The Packers are crossed out on my list. So they must be off the board right now because of the Rogers stuff. So there is that category of teams like we did last week that are at 10 wins or more in the NFC. Uh, Simon, I will start with you. Buccaneers at 11 and a half Rams at 10 and a half Niners at 10 and a half. Um, give me your take on those teams and their totals of double digit wins. The team I'm most comfortable taking under is definitely the 49ers. Um, just not only because of that division, but because of all the uncertainty at the QB position, where I do think that they're going to make a switch eventually to the rookie. And to back a rookie over 10 and a half wins, I, I just cannot do that. Um, especially a kid coming out of North Dakota State. It, it just feels like that's a lot to ask of a kid. I know Shanahan's unbelievable. And they were basically, if you just look at a metric of the highest injured team last year, they were number one. They had the most injuries by far. So a lot of professionals like them to bump, like the bump up this year, just on that simple fact. But when I look in that division, I just think to myself, I like the Rams better. I like the Seahawks better. And again, we can say what we want about Kingsbury, but I feel better about taking Arizona, what they have around uh, Kyler, than I do taking the 49ers about what they have. So for me, I'm just, I'm just not drinking the Kool-Aid on the 49ers this year. I just think there's too much hype going into the season on them. So that, that's an under I really like this year, 10 and a half. That is interesting. Right, before, before I ask my follow-up question, Raheem, do you have a take on what Simon just said about the 49ers? Hmm. See, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Rams personally going under because I just think there's a lot of hype around the Rams and they've lost some defensive starters. I know they got Matthew Stafford. I just think that division is tough all the way around. So I don't know how you get 11 wins from multiple teams there. I mean, people, the Seahawks have not really been good, but they still have Russell Wilson. Arizona, like I, I see all of those teams beating up on each other. So I kind of agree with you. I, I just I, I, I think the, the 49ers are going to struggle with that quarterback situation. So I do want to talk about the Rams. So I, but I, I'm not pushing aside the Niners. I think, Simon, it's interesting mm -hmm. that you're saying the Niners under 10 and a half between the Bucks at 11 and a half, the Rams at 10 and a half and the Niners at 10 and a half. The one you like the most is under under is minus 150, uh, 10 and a half. Totally makes sense to me why you would think that and i completely disagree um because like you said not a believer in kingsbury cliff kingsbury at arizona no matter what the talent because i don't think he can coach that talent to its potential uh i am not skeptical about the seahawks but that to me feels like it could go either way uh, in terms of how they play this year, whether or not their defense can continue to improve. It got much better in the second half of the year. Is Russell Wilson going to be as inconsistent as he was last year? Pete Carroll, as a coach, running a team is a wild card. We've seen it in the play calling. We've seen it in how he likes to manage his team. And have they rebuilt the offensive line enough to make Russell Wilson comfortable? 
Look at Pete's record, though, Chad. What's that? You got to look at Pete's record. He always wins 10 games, bro. So you're falling into the Mm -hmm. same trap every year people fall into. They go, yeah, what do the Seahawks have? And it's just all of a sudden they win 10 or 11 games. You go, oh, shit, they have Russell Wilson. So I'm with you. Everything you just said about the Seahawks is true. He just wins. It it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it either. But every year, that's what really messes up this whole division. It's like, which team is going to fuck it up? Because like he just said, we're going to talk about the Rams. That's the team, like all the guys I told you in Vegas, every guy I talked to. That's who they want to talk about. They just are so obsessed with the Rams and the potential of that team. I just always go back to, and not to not to completely tout our friend Colin Cowherd and his podcast. Uh, <laughs> obviously, he's got to keep Tlaib in the Volume uh, Podcast Network. And um, Akib was on Colin's podcast when Matthew Stafford was traded to the Rams. And Colin asked Akib for his honest opinion of what people around the league were saying. Because all the hype, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, match made in heaven, blah, blah, blah. Tlaib's response was, and maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on this little bias. He was like, everyone around the league is saying, Matthew Stafford? Like an honest question. This is the guy everyone's pinning their hopes on. This is the guy that you believe is going to be the one who takes you to the next level. So I think about that. I think about Mm -hmm. all the investment in Matthew Stafford. And then I think, I'd rather have Kyle Shanahan and his ability to game plan with whoever's on the field than Matthew Stafford. To me, Matthew Stafford is like the modern day Jeff George. Yes. He has a rocket arm and he throws that sidearm pass. He has more. It's like he has more talent than the player he actually is. So I think people see his talent and his natural gifts and they say, oh, yeah, Matthew Stafford, he's great, but he's not that good. <laughs> I am with you. Simon. I just don't – I don't want to be the one to, like, defend him our court because, again, it's – it's like you just said, it's Matthew Stafford. What has he ever done? Um, but, yeah, he played in Detroit, so I get it. <laughs> right, and that's my whole thing. It's like I, I'm, I'm not in on it either, but it just interests me where it's not just one group of professionals I've talked to. It's multiple different guys who – these guys win. They know their shit and they won't just, they're not just bringing it up to me. It's like, we, we do small talk for two minutes and they go, so the Rams, how about the Rams? And it's like every guy, I'm like, why the hell do you guys fucking like the Rams so much? So there's something there. I, and I've, I've gone a little bit more into the film. Like I, I, I can't get over the fact that he he's always got these little injuries, Stafford. And that's my biggest hesitation here goes like, what are they going to do when he misses a couple of games in the middle of the season? Cause we were talking about how hard of a division this is and everything like that. But man, I know like Raheem just said, they mes- they're missing some pieces. Their defense is so good. I mean, their defense is so good. And if Stafford can figure it out with a running game in cam acres, everything's there. Everything there is for a really dominant team. So that's one of those where I don't know if I'm doing their win totals, but I'm definitely going to be doing a future either on Stafford MVP or just that team to win the the Super Bowl because it's just a very intriguing offense. I mean, how do we how do we feel about Raheem Morris replacing Brandon Staley? Because I think that's a big loss too. Like, I mean, I think you can't understate what it means to lose your defensive coordinator and lose four starters. That's definitely true. But like we just said, the you still have Darnold, you still have Ramsey. I, I just feel like it's going to work itself out. Those are just captain leaders, like. Mm-hmm. The Ravens had guys going in and out of that defensive team. They still had Ed Reed. They still had Ray Lewis. 
the rest worked itself out for 10 years. So that's what I'm banking on. It's like, okay, when I graded out their numbers, you're definitely right. There's definitely a drop off, mm-hmm. but they literally held the Seahawks. To, what was it? 14 points or 13 points in the playoffs at home. I just think mm-hmm. it's just such a dominant defense. Even if it's a little step down next year, what Stafford's mm-hmm. going to bring to that offense. That's just an uptick that it just, mm-hmm. it feels like it's balancing itself out a little bit, but I'm with you. That is a major loss losing mm-hmm. that defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, Simon, you just you made a really good point. Every single group of wise guys you talk to uh, is wants to talk about the Rams. And I love that you're like, we do small talk for two minutes as if any wise guy has ever done any small talk ever. There's no more socially awkward group than wise guys. <laughs> All this Rams are ten and a half plus uh, 123 on the over. You said you're not going to bet the Rams over. You're not convinced by everything you're hearing from everybody. No, because I just like I like you'll you'll see a pattern here. I love unders. I'm I just I feel comfortable betting unders because I just know the logic that as soon as I bet an under, I've already given myself above 50 percent chance of that cash. And just because historically unders always come through. But this is just one of those that like I keep staring at it with that division. And I know it's between them and the 49ers. One of these teams is going to screw up. but I don't want to take either teams over. And I'm banking on the 49ers being that team that screws up. So that's why I'm just taking their under. While taking the Seahawks over, and I'm not touching Arizona. Wow, I feel so much more strongly about the 49ers and the Rams. Almost <laughs> like I feel like you and I might have to have a little side action, and I, I'm loath to do this. I would a, love that. I don't like to compete against you. B, I feel like you'd rub it in my face so much if you win. And C, you do this professionally, and I do it as like a clown. So uh, it can end well for me, but there's something about the Niners against the Rams that I just feel viscerally about. I told you, Chad, that's my favorite part about this job where any Joe Schmo on the street can talk to me about what I do. You couldn't go to a, like a heart surgeon or a brain doctor and be like, well, actually, I think you're wrong. I think that's where you should go in on the incision. You're right. You're so but, right. Like I'll never forget this guy I used to go to, I used to buy my dip. I used to go to this convenience store all the time. And the guy was like, buddy, who do you like this weekend? I tell him, and he goes, oh, so this is week one. He goes, 49ers are going to kill Arizona. I go, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you 49ers a plus money. But if you're wrong, you can never ask me again for a bet. And he goes, okay. Of course, Arizona beats the 49ers by like four or five points. The guy goes, hey, man, you're pretty good at this. He's like, you, uh, you do it for a living? I was like, no, it's just all luck. You know what I mean? Because it's one of those, even if I told him I did, he'd be like, well, who do you like this weekend? So it's, that's, that's the hardest part of this job, Chad. Even if I'm wrong, you're going to be the one rubbing in my face, my friend. So true. All right. Uh, the, 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 the way we did it last week, which I liked, was we went through those teams at the top. Uh, the only difference this week is I, I almost feel like you have to. And again, the Packers are crossed out because I think the Packers are off the board in a lot of places. Um, the only other team that I do want to talk about that is just under that double digits. And I feel like we have to talk about them because of the Cowboys and everybody wants to talk about the Cowboys. Uh they're at nine and a half and the Seahawks are at nine and a half. So do either of you have strong opinions about the Seahawks or the Cowboys win totals? Uh, Raheem, you start. First things first, I am a Cowboys fan, even though I am from Philly. So I know you guys are going to disown me, especially Simon, because he's an Eagles fan. I'm going under. I think you have an agent offensive line. You have Mike McCarthy, who was probably worth minus three wins. Seriously. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I know he... He went to a little analytics sem- seminar, which tells him that you got to go for punts on fourth and 15, go for fake punts on fourth and 15 or whatever. Um, but I mean, this defense isn't good. The offensive line is aging. 
I'm going under. I think you got a bump just because the offense is going to be really good and it's the Cowboys, but I don't, I don't like them in that, that division at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish I could be meaner to Cowboys fans, but they've been irrelevant for about 25 years. So it's like, I don't know. I, I really can't ever talk that bad to Cowboys fans, but bringing that on the head every year, the easiest bet to make is just bet the Cowboys under. It's a team that will always be propped up because their fan base is so diehard and so loyal. They're across the country, so even state to state, they're going to be bet up you know, regardless of where you live. Every year, guys, you bet this under, and you bet them not to make the playoffs. And it's, I mean, what is it, 25 years? If you've been doing it, you're up a lot of money year to year. So it's just one of those where it, it sounds very simple, but it's just the way it is. The pressure, everything that goes to being with the Cowboys. I, it's not even that I, I dislike Dak. I think he does everything he can to try to put that team in its best position. It's just Jerry. He's just the way he's drafted for them. Like they didn't need another stud receiver. They had a great receiving core, but Jerry, he couldn't help himself. He had to take a receiver in the first round last year who were this kid's incredible. Their defense is by far the worst in football where they should just been drafting defensive players. So for me, the Cowboys, that will always be a fade. I don't care that it's up to 17 games. It's just one of those where I had them graded out seven and a half. I think I bumped them up to eight. Once it went to 17 games and it's still way under nine and a half, but a team that not people are talking about that is at nine wins are the saints. I think it's a very intriguing that they're just sitting there at nine wins and no one's really talking about them when they lost drew Brees, a guy who really, I mean, what did he really do for them last year? He was kind of a ball control kind of quarterback where I don't know if it's going to be Winston. I don't know which quarterback will be starting, but I have enough faith when I look at paper at this team that, um, I, I can't get over the amount of talent they have, and they have a they have a head coach who's a Hall of Fame head coach. So when I'm looking at teams to nine wins with Sean Payton, I still think that's a team that will definitely get the ten wins. And not not saying that the Buccaneers are getting that all the hype, but they are, and that's a team that they lost to them twice last year. And not like Drew Brees played out of his mind. That was just simply their defense dominated Brady and that offense. So looking at win totals, nine wins for the Saints. We talked about early in the year too, Chad. I, I like them for best record at like I think it was thirty to one or forty to one. Just a really outside shot team that the Saints aren't just going to be getting talked about when people aren't realizing they have all the pieces there. I, I think that's a team that's really been slept on. Well, this is one of those where quarterbacks mean everything in the NFL, and we did get a little bit of a taste of what the Saints could look like last year when Drew Brees wasn't playing. Um, and, and they were, you know, they, they had that sort of that dual threat quarterback situation, but, um, so much press around him retiring that their value is going to be a little bit depressed. Raheem, do you agree or disagree with Simon? I do agree. I mean, I think that saints defense was just, they they were a great defense. And I, I think they won in spite of Drew Brees, like Drew Brees, his arm was gone. His arm's been gone for a couple seasons. So I think if you put Winston in there, you always have the, you have, you have to worry about turnovers. Like, I mean, this guy had a 30, 30 season, <laughs> 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if there's anything to compare Winston to. It's just like, <laughs> he's like a doctor who could just, you know, give you the greatest surgery ever, but you have a 50% chance of dying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have the 50, he can give you that's fucking brilliant he can he can perform the greatest surgery ever he might leave a knife behind and you will die of an infection but yeah. the actual surgery will have been amazing 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's pretty much what it is with Winston. Now, Taysom, I think they're going to go with Taysom because I, I just, he gives you that dual threat ability. And as crazy as it sounds, I think he's worth a flyer for MVP <laughs> because that Saints defense is going to be good. And if they can get, you know, a decent amount of wins at like a hundred to one, what's throwing a hundred bucks on there? <laughs> yeah. And that's something we talked about. We said he's still plus two twenty to be a week one starter, Taysom Mills. So I'm right there with him. I, I think he's, We've just seen the way the NFL has shifted to the running quarterbacks. We have more running quarterbacks than we've ever had in our lifetime. And, I mean, Sean Payton's an OG. Like, that guy, when he got kicked out of the league, he went and coached his, like, kids' football team. Say they were terrible. I think they went, like, undefeated back-to-back years. And, like, it's just one of these things where it's like, I love this guy. I love – he loves football so much. I can only think about the stuff he's been cooking up, getting ready for this season. So, again, nine wins out of 17 people. Nine and eight, that's a push. Like, I just think that's crazy good value on the Saints. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you're saying the Saints, and you, you actively, proactively mentioned them at nine wins. Are they your favorite uh, win total bet, either over or under, for the NFC? I, I definitely bet this a lot. Like, I, I'm trying to chill out because I'm like, why? Like, I have, we all wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh my God, Winston's starting. Like, I, I, I know all of a sudden I'm going to have way too much money tied up in a Saints team with Jameis starting because I've been there. I've drank in the Kool-Aid on Jameis, and uh, I don't want to experience that again. So anyone betting this, you, you have to bet it um, knowing there's a little bit of risk involved in these bets. Again, that's why I like, I, I like their best record. I feel like is a really good value bet for this team because – I don't want to say they had the least amount of drama, but these teams at the top from last year, like we already talked about Green Bay. There's just, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of stuff going on where I just feel like the Saints are this team that's really flying under the radar this year. And that's what you want to betting in football. You want teams that no one's talking about. The Eagles dream team, I don't think they won five games. Like you just don't want to be talked about in football. That's just kind of what you look for. You didn't answer my question. It's, it's not my favorite bet. So give me your favorite. <laughs> all right it's gonna it's gonna it's it's moved already though that's the problem so last basically week, Detroit... your favorite bet was the under texans four wins which is like a grab your balls and just nut up bet so can it be worse than that i mean i could give you even worse because i did love i did love detroit's over, under five detroit opened under five now it's down to four and a half so it's still good value but in no world is Detroit getting over five wins this year. That, like, again, them in Houston, they are openly tanking this year. Both teams are tanking. Like, they – I know Campbell, the coach of Detroit, can give all these rah-rah speeches and talk about eating people's legs. They're, they're tanking. This is a terrible, terrible team. So that is one of my favorite bets. But like you said, that's not that fun. Chad, what is more fun this year than betting Chicago Bears over seven and a half? You love it. I hate it. It's fun. Okay? For some reason, my – my system had a grade out 8.1 wins. So. Oh, no. Yeah, just because your division. Your division's so bad where I had them splitting with the Vikings. I had them splitting somehow with Green Bay, and I had them sweep in Detroit. So they're one of these teams. They might not do great outside of your division, but they're going to play well in the division. There it is, the bobblehead. Reminder. Reminder. Thank you to Dave Eck and the Chicago Bears, who sent me a whole bunch of swag including a Sid Luckman bobblehead who 
until this moment, until the drafting of our savior, Justin Fields, who in every single uh, off-season video I watch, which means every off-season video that's been created about Justin Fields, uh, that's basically all my younger son and I do right now. We watch the NBA on TV and during commercials or on nights when there isn't NBA, uh, we're just strolling through watching Justin Fields highlights. Um, I love him. So excited for Justin Fields uh, and his performance. So excited for what the Bears can possibly be. So ready to go all in on the Bears over seven. Come on. Over seven and a half. We got we got two wins easy against the Lions. Seven I and think, ten. They're not going seven and ten. Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. Eight and nine in a 17 game season. That doesn't feel crazy. No, mm-hmm. doesn't feel crazy at all. But is, so is this what you're saying to me? Is this what you're saying to me right now? That your math and my emotions are actually meeting in some kind of, you know, kismet like point of confluence that is both beautiful and insane and we're two crazy kids in love with the same thing right now you're basically getting the rare opportunity where the public is off the bears that everyone everyone kind of thinks the bears are a joke so this this total has come down that's why i think we're getting great value here buddy so it's bear down chicago bears (laughs) it's the rare opportunity where we're not going with joe public taking the bears because i know you've seen the numbers Illinois, they're like second. They're like the new Vegas. Their the betting handle there is insane. So it's I think Illinois. We're good. It's not Illinois. It's <laughs> Illinois. That's the East Coast of me, dude. We call it Illinois. Not for nothing, by the way. Not for nothing. The New York Times had a story about the way the city of Chicago was constructed 300 years ago. And how they built the buildings in Chicago 150 years ago and the way that they reflowed the direction of the Chicago river away from Lake Michigan to keep sewage out of Lake Michigan, since that was where the fresh drinking water is and the hubris entailed in the part of the city planners. And I'm interpreting it this way to think they can redirect mother nature to work in their favor And it's all a shit show right now with global warming and the different levels of water rising in the lake versus the river and the lock system they've had to create and the billions and billions of dollars necessary to try to now control what they know they can't control, which is mother nature and the way it impacts the sewage system in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if this city is going to survive, but it's an amazing story in the New York Times. We should all read it. Raheem, I'm assuming we can get back to, you know, the frivolous nature of our lives. I'm assuming you're not loving the Chicago Bears the same way we do. So please give me your best season win total bet for the NFC. It's moved a little bit, but I like the Washington football team over eight, eight and a half wins. I like to handicap games from the trenches. That's what matters. You know, this team had 48 sacks last year. They had Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron um, Payne, Jonathan Allen. You know, this is one of the best defensive lines in the league. And 
this team is going to improve on offense. Like, I mean, last year they had the quarterback carousel of Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen. And then, you know, Taylor Henneke came in and, you know, he had, he was a spark plug, but those first three, you know, they weren't giving you anything. So this team's going to be better offensively. They, they um, signed Curtis Samuel from um, Carolina. Terry McLaurin is still one of the best wide receivers in the league. I think if Fitzpatrick gives you, gives you anything, they go over the total. And I think this is a Super Bowl team. Um, as crazy as it sounds, I, I, just, I just think they have too much talent on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they're getting better. And, you know, they added two corners. They um, added William Jackson, and then they um, drafted the guy Jammin. So I really, really, really like this defense, and I think the offense is enough to uh, – made enough of an improvement to where they should win this division. Listen to me. I love what you're saying. I am in 100% agreement. I would be shocked if Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who takes a team to a Super Bowl victory. But I love the over. This defensive line, this front four, could be historically great. Uh, And I think if you're going to get a defensive line that is that good, um, look, they almost beat the Bucs on the way to the Super Bowl, like you said, with a quarterback that nobody had ever heard of who probably – uh, should have been, you know, studying for his master. So by all means, I am, I am here for this bet, Simon. Yeah, Chad, you know, we're already locked in. We did our Super Bowl futures in February. Yes, we did. This is one of the teams that I made you put way too much money on that didn't get Watson. Like I told you, they're going to get Watson. Mm. But like you said, I, I know the whole fits thing, um, but I, I will keep going back to it until they get knocked out of the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. This Washington team, is that Denver team 2.0 that had Von Miller, where Peyton Manning had a dead arm. He couldn't throw the ball further than 15 yards. But all you had was just an incredibly dominant defense with offensive weapons around it. And I think that's what we have here in Washington. We have a team with a ton of weapons on offense. Gibson, great running back. Like you say, McLaurin, great receiver. And that defensive line, man. You, you literally will not find a better defense line in football this year. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is a Chase Young bet, but me and Chad – I guess Raheem, too. We are all in on Washington football team. Um, true story about um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He actually went to Harvard around the same time that I went to Penn. And he is single-handedly the reason why my friends don't have an Ivy League championship. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw him play back then, and he just dogged us out. And, you know, I never thought that he would be here. So Crazy. Mm. I like when someone from the Ivy Leagues can come on to this podcast and just in a very humble braggy way <laughs> remind us that they went to an Ivy League school. Simon was fucking working on Jersey Shore when he was supposed <laughs> to be in college. I went to Indiana which like whatever, it's the cream and crimson of the Midwest and Raheem comes in and he's dropping pen, you know, 40 minutes into the show and not even in a relevant way. Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard at the same time that I went to Penn. So, you know, I saw him play. That's basically what it is. Guess what? <laughs> I didn't go to Penn or Harvard and I've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick play too. <laughs> I've just, I mean, I'm a little, I've always been a little bit bitter just because I wanted my friends to get that Ivy league ring and you know, he, he pulled it off. So. By the way, notice Simon, how he's now saying my friends were on the football team. I'm really, I just feel bad for them. 
Raheem's lived that <laughs> life, man. Raheem's lived that life. I mean, I was I was the DJ of like, so I was like one of the most popular people on campus. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I just forget that Raheem had an incredibly cool life before we convinced him to join the Action Network and, you know, do our silly. My life is cooler now. It's so much cooler now. Like How so? How I mean, so? You got to understand, like two weeks into this job, you had people send me a camcorder with lighting and then told me that I would be doing broadcasts on NBA League Pass. That's true. I gave you so, oh my God, you should love me. I've given you so many big opportunities. Um, I do. <laughs> yeah, but but still, is that cooler than being on tour as a DJ? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, maybe I'm just old. <laughs> like we had this conversation before the podcast about how you get older and you kind of like, you've seen everything. Touring gets old. As crazy as it's like, I mean, because it's just, Plus, I make more money betting. <laughs> well, uh, but look, I would agree. Traveling gets old generally. When I was, you, you know, throughout my 30s or my 20s and I got out of college and I was working at Sports Illustrated and working at ESPN, you're traveling constantly. Mm-hmm. You're at the most glamorous places in the world, right? Because you're covering Super Bowls. You're covering the NFL. You're covering the NBA Finals. You're covering the U.S. Open. You're covering the Olympics, whatever. Um, but a lot of it is you're trudging through an airport with a laptop, you're on deadline on a plane, you're staying in a hotel, getting in at 2 a.m. and having to be out of the room by 8 a.m. And if you're shuttling from one facility to another, like there's a lot of fun to it, but it also becomes very sort of rote and and the glamour isn't as great as you would think. Yeah, like I'll put it this way. Imagine when you're 20 and you're 25, you're DJing for people your age. Or when you're 19, you DJ for people your age. Imagine being 35 and you you have to be around a bunch of 21 year olds, and your your job is to entertain them. It's not as glamorous as it seems when people your age have aged out of coming to see you. Sounds like fucking parenting. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Except instead of like playing, you know. All right, sit down and listen to this Barney record. You're like telling them to listen to some music that you might not even like anymore. Exactly. And that, Honestly, that's, that's, it's why that's what I, happened to I, me. I feel terrible hanging out with friends who are married or have kids. Like they ask me what I'm up to and I tell them about my life and I feel like I'm rubbing it in their face. I just have a life. Or it's like, what are you guys up to? And it's like, oh, the kids reverse sleep and we haven't slept in about four months. And it's just like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. But, yeah, by the way, not for nothing. If Raheem's going to get it, so are you. You're the guy who we've been through four months talking about how sad you are and how you're so in love and how love means everything. And now you've got to figure out how to have a life without love or find love so you can have kids one day. Like, come on. So, oh, wait, you got rid of the girl you were talking to a couple months ago? By the way, before you answer this question, let's frame this in the right way. We don't get rid of women. We are lucky to have <laughs> okay. them. In, and sometimes they may choose to be with us. And oftentimes they may choose to not be with us. Ooh. Let's frame it in the appropriate way. That, that, you're 100% right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm dead wrong. Yeah, dead wrong. <laughs> I would try to move on and I failed miserably. And I was just like, I'm going to take a break. And then, of course, like every ex does, she hit me up. Now I can't get rid of her again. But we're not getting back together. I don't know what to say because she listened to our show. So I'm not going to say too much because then she knows what I'm up to. But um, 
Yeah, who knows, dude? It's like, you know when you like you should move on, but you don't want to? I think we're both in that stage of life where it's like, it's not going to work. We know it's not going to work, but we can't leave each other alone. But like, I'm hoping once football comes, I can just, she'll get rid of me or I'll get rid of her because I'll just be able to just spend time on football. Because right now, like Chad said, I just have way too much free time. That's what's, that's the problem right now. It's like, I need structure. That's what Chad's great for. I bring structure and I will text you in the middle of a game and say, we need to get on the phone right away. Even when, you know, your heart is on the line, which you're a very sensitive, vulnerable person. So your heart is often on the line. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm the most robotic person ever when it comes to gambling, but love and life. Yes. I'm a very emotional. emotional. That's why I wear simpatico, man. Cause we both (laughs) love, we love, love. I'm emotional too. So. You want to be part of our emotional relationship here? You can be the third, the third person in. Uh, it's the, it's the th- three amigos. <laughs> I can help. I can help both of you in your wayward love lives. I'm in a happy, secure, uh, respectful, long-term relationship with my wife. I- I'm trying to learn. I've been struggling with this. Well, I'm here for you. I've got a lot of advice. Raheem, Raheem did that to himself. He's good looking dude with money. I'm sure Raheem does pretty well with the ladies. It's all choices, my man. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he does fine. The thing is, I mean, it's one thing to do well with the ladies, but sometimes you just want that one person to build a life with. Here's what we're going to tell people to do. We're going to tell them bet the uh, Washington football team probably going to have to get over eight. Uh, We're going to tell them bet the Bears over seven and a half. We're going to tell them bet the Saints over nine. We're going to tell them bet the Niners under ten and a half, I guess. And that's pretty much it. Maybe we'll tell them about the Rams over 10 and a half. What do we think? Nah, don't do it. Don't do it. Take the Eagles under too. Eagles under six and a half. Yeah, Eagles Eagles are going to be bad. (laughs) All right. This has been the Favorites Podcast for Raheem Palmer, for Simon Hunter. I am Chad Millman. We are here for all your dating advice, for all your relationship advice, for all your betting advice. Whatever you need, we are the place for you. Because why wouldn't you want to take advice from someone who's been married for 23 years and two guys who can't have a relationship that lasts longer than a football season? I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites. Download the podcast from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back Thursday for the Thunderdome edition of The Favorites. Love you. Love you.